it's a special day for our church. It's a special day that solidifies some things that have already been in place since our beginning over 56 years ago. And I think it's so important that as we move forward as a church, that we understand clearly who we are as a people. Uh, there's something that's been said on this campus thousands of times. You cannot know where you're going if you do not know where you've been. And obviously as life goes on, as things uh, progress in time and in life, there are some things that just simply must be solidified, uh, set in concrete. And we want to do that as a church family. And we're going to do that today, not only through the message, but uh, through our identity as a church. Um, we are not in an identity crisis. God has given us an incredible heritage and he's given us something that we can be proud of because he has put his hand on it. And for that, we're careful again to give him all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. When we get done today, I think you will leave encouraged. I think you will leave informed. And I think you'll leave with a new sense of dedication for what the Lord's going to do in this place. And I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for your family. I cannot believe it has almost been a year that the Lord's allowed me to be your pastor. And it's been an honor. It's been a wonderful year. It's been one of the greatest things that I've ever witnessed the faithfulness of this church, stepping out in faith, trusting God, and then watching God do what he does. And that's to be faithful to his people. He's done that time and time again. Take your Bible and turn to 1 Chronicles 29, 1 Chronicles chapter 29. At the end of this message, I'm going to ask Miss Amber to come and sing a very special song that will sort of tie together everything for our homecoming, everything that today means I'm going to ask her to sing and I want you to pay attention at the end of the message to the song that she's going to sing then we'll pray we'll go home and we'll enjoy our time together as a family in the 29th chapter of first chronicles say amen when you're there amen first chronicles 29 the first verse furthermore david the king said unto all the congregation, Solomon, my son, whom alone God hath chosen, is yet young and tender, and the work is great. For the palace is not for man, but for the Lord God. Now I have prepared with all my might for the house of my God, the gold for things to be made of gold and the silver, the things of silver and the brass for the things of brass, the iron for the things of iron and the wood for the things of wood, onyx stones and stones to be set, glistering stones of divers colors and all manner of precious stones and marble stones in abundance. Verse number three says, moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of my God. I have of mine own proper good of gold and silver, which I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house. Let's pray and we'll dive in this together. Holy Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we dedicate this day again to you. Lord, for just a moment, would you stir our hearts? Would you fix us exactly where we are? Lord, would you use the word of God to penetrate our hearts? Lord, to encourage us. Lord, to keep pushing, to keep going. Lord, we know what's at stake. God, we know what the risk is. And Father, we're asking you in this day, in this hour, in October of 2022, Father, that you would raise up the next generation of people who are dedicated to the things of God. Lord, we're desperate in this hour for families and folks that have gray hair and young people and children, Lord, to be dedicated to the work and the labor of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, would you stir up any stagnant water that's in our hearts and in our lives today? 
bind any distraction. Lord, give us just a few moments of our attention, God, put towards your word. Thank you for our homecoming. Thank you for this celebration. In Jesus' name we all pray, amen and amen. Now what we've just read, the first three verses of 1 Chronicles 29, is a very particular portion of history for Israel. It's a very particular portion of King David's life. If you're a student of the word of God, you know by studying that Chronicles when first written was actually written all together. And then when canonized into scripture, it gives us first and second Chronicles. But it's much of what you read in Joshua and in first and second Kings. Much of this is repeated history. But one thing I love about Chronicles is the chronicler did not record the events in King David's life that were against the character of his God. Whoever wrote this chronicle, this story, this history book, if you will, chose to put David in a place of great respect. He wrote about the great work that David did. And it's obvious that this man who wrote this by the inspiration of God was sort of giving David a gift. It's his bio of all that he did for the Lord. And we're coming to the end of King David's life. These are within the few final hours of his time on earth. And he knows that there is a great work ahead that's to be done. He knows that the palace or the house of God, the temple, needs to be built. It's in desperate need that the people of Israel would have the temple built in Jerusalem. And David knows because of things that had taken place in his life that David would not see the completion of that temple. David may never even step foot in that temple to worship or be near it or to see the uh, incredible stones going up out of the ground to construct this beautiful house of God. But David knew and David believed with all of his heart that the most important thing he could do with his remaining days, his last will and testament focused on, revolved around the one fact that the temple, the house of God needed to be built. And David's son Solomon, as the Bible tells us, is to ascend to power. Solomon is to become king. And David knew what it would took, what it would take for Solomon to be able to build such a temple, such a house of God. And in these first three verses, you hear David's heart. I have given all of my effort, all of my heart, and everything that he needs on his building and materials list, I am providing it so that Solomon can do the work of the Lord. And David is recognizing the call on Solomon's life, that there's only this one man who can be king. God has separated, God has solidified, not only in David's heart, but in the heart of the people that Solomon is to be king. And that the greatest work that Solomon can accomplish is that the house of God would be built. It was very important to David that Solomon be successful and that Solomon have what he need to be successful. So at the end of his life, David is not worried about how much gold he can put in this storehouse or how much he can give to this faction of a government or that faction of a people. Rather, he is completely, totally concerned with his wealth, his gold, and his efforts setting up Solomon to be successful to build the temple. Notice what he said in verse number one. He said that the palace or the temple that is to be built is not for man. This isn't just about one family in Israel. It's not just about one group of people or one tribe. This is for the glory of God. The work that Solomon was going to be doing was not about David's legacy. It was not about the fact that David had left the gold and that David had left the silver and the brass and the stones. Rather, David knew that it's not about man. It's not about what we can accomplish. Rather, this house is to be for the Lord God. It's important work because it's God's work. It's an important place because it's God's place. 
It's the one place that can change everybody's life that lives in Israel. It's the one place where everyone can find communion with God. It's not about my legacy, David is saying. It's about what God's going to get, the glory and the honor, the communion with his people. Go back into verse number two. He makes a point to say, now I have prepared. He says, with all of my might, with everything I have, he's not given 25% of his effort David's not given 50% of his effort. Rather, he's giving 110% all of his might. And that includes giving the things that he feels most precious in his life. All of the hard work, the labor, the things that they have conquered, the armies they had defeated in the name of the Lord. And this great treasure has amassed. And now David says, all my effort, all my thought, and all my treasure is going to go to Solomon, not for his personal wealth, but for the house of God to be built. Solomon's going to need gold. He's going to need brass. He's going to need very particular items so that the temple can be built to a particular specification. The temple was not going to be, if you will, the Motel 6 of temples. There's nothing wrong with Motel 6. I have stayed in many of them. But David was absolutely certain that if we're going to build this temple, it's going to be the Taj Mahal, if you will, of structures. It's going to be that place, that grandeur, that splendor. It's to be ornate. The word of God even specifies how the instruments are to be made. And it's a costly thing. But David knew it was worth the effort. The temple, the house of God was to be a very precious place seen with great respect. And it so represented who God is to the Israelites. It's for the Lord God. It's to be beautiful. It's to be a holy place. And my son is going to need these things to make this happen. Then verse number three, finally, look at this. It says, I have set my affection, my heart. This is where my treasure is. The Bible says where your treasure is, there also will your heart be. This is where David's heart is. This is his investment. This is his last moments on earth. And he's saying, I'm setting up Solomon. It has my affection, my heart. This is what I cherish. It's everything to me here in these last days of my life. We need a place for Solomon to build and we need the things for Solomon to be able to do it. And in my last hours, I'm going to provide for my son and for my people to have exactly what it needs to be able to accomplish the work of the Lord. There's so much more to this story. And today, especially with homecoming, we don't have time to get into all of this. But I invite you in your personal study to go back and read this entire story about what God does and move forward and read so much of what happened even after but it's a powerful story and it's a great example that David sets for us even today. Uh, you see, the temple did not just represent uh, an ornate palace or an ornate house. It wasn't just to be seen as a, 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 a marker, if you will. The, the temple was a functioning, living and breathing place. Uh, the temple represented so much. And for Solomon and for his people, for his family, for those to come, the temple would mean redemption, the forgiveness of sins. It would mean that there would be an opportunity for correction. This is where they would learn to cherish God. This is where the high priest would go into the presence of God on behalf of the people. This was the catalyst. This was the place that represented all spiritual knowledge and life. The temple must be built. And David said, I've put all my heart, all my affection into Solomon building this place. And if you go through redemptive history, You'll see and you'll know and you'll understand and you'll be able to stand with me this morning and say, praise God that David put affection into this. I'm thankful that David was committed to doing what he did, but I'm thankful that Jesus was even more committed for me so that I could be the representative of the temple. 
When I got saved, a small little temple got built on the inside of me. I represent now what the high priest had the opportunity to do. And David invested, and the Bible said that he invested over and above towards the house of God, but Jesus put even more affection and more love over and above towards you and towards me. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the comforter that has come. And I praise the Lord for the church and the structure that God has set before us that I get to talk to God, that I have a representative, an advocate, a great high priest who listens to me. And before I even pray my prayer, he is able to take it to the Father. What a wonderful system that the Lord allows us to be a part of. And I'm thankful, church, we're here 56 years later, and I'm thankful with all of my heart that we're here celebrating. It could be that homecoming could always bring with it sort of a sour taste in our mouth. It could be that we're here today and homecoming would remind us of negative things, broken pasts, failures, and mishaps. And it's obvious that Trinity Baptist Church is not a perfect church. You won't find one in the entire world because it's filled with people who are themselves imperfect. But I'm thankful today that the Lord has given us a heritage that we can be proud of, a heritage that we can hold on to, a heritage that we can say with a smile on our face, I belong to Trinity Baptist Church. I'm thankful that our name today is still Trinity Baptist Church. I'm thankful for as long as I'm alive and there's blood in my veins and breath in my lungs, we will be Trinity Baptist Church to honor what God has done in this place. Uh, but there have been some very special people along the journey. We would not be here if it had not been for the people who surrendered to the call that God had placed on their life, even when it didn't make sense to do particular things, and they did it anyway. One of them sitting right here on the very front row, Brother Jerry Payne. He and Miss Polly have always put Trinity first. They've always put the family of God first. They've served, they've dedicated, they've given. And even when money was supposed to go to the house, it went to God's house. And now we sit today in a place that if it had not been for people like Brother Jerry and Miss Polly being willing to obey God and sacrifice, we would not be where we are today. We've had some Davids, we've had some people, and it's been who we have always been since our very beginning, that if you look down the road, you'll see a need is coming. We've never been a church that's had horse blinders on, if you will, just paying attention to what's right in front of us. Rather, our history and our heritage and the legacy here is that we're always looking forward. We're looking past what we can see at the end of our nose. Because if the Lord tarries, listen to me, church, if the Lord tarries and we're here another 100 years, if we're here on another 100 years before the Lord comes back, then it will not be on accident that Trinity continues to exist and to thrive for the Lord God. The only way Trinity can continue to exist, continue to be the church that it's been and the church that the Lord wants it to be going forward is if we with intentionality and with purpose and with dedication get the spirit of old King David and say, I want to see things succeed for the glory of God even after I'm dead and gone. Uh, it's not about what the church can do for me as a person. It's rather what can I do as a person, as an individual who's been saved by grace. What can I do for the Lord Jesus Christ through the offices of this beautiful church on this 20 plus campus, 20 plus acre campus? What can I do for the Lord Jesus here? What can I do for Jesus that makes an impact, that matters? Thank God there's been some Davids that have come before us. Many of them are home and they're in heaven. And church, I will be completely transparent today. One of the greatest concerns I have as your pastor is that we are not replacing the ranks 
of these spirit of David olive tree planters who knew that they would not see it complete but loved us enough to do it anyway. That cannot happen on accident. That's a prayer that we have to pray. That's a burden we must take on. And it's something that we have to ask God for great faith to believe. There were people who went days without having food in the home so that we could buy more lumber to build the old building. There, were, there was a widow who spent most of her afternoon every day walking and looking for glass bottles to return so that she could have something to bring to the Lord's house as an offering. Trinity, what I'm trying to say with all the love in my heart is we have been blessed with the spirit of King David. We've been blessed with the spirit of olive tree planters. But if we don't ask God to give us that kind of faith, and if we don't ask the Lord to raise that up in our own families and our own children, it could be that we're getting ready to say goodbye to the last generation that ever understood what it means to sacrifice. This doesn't happen on accident. It happens with intentionality. And if you're new to Trinity or if you haven't been home in a while, let me remind you some things about Trinity we are a generational mountain church. Paul's right there. I did not say a generational redneck church. Don't get that wrong. We're hillbillies. Thank you. A generational mountain church. You see, you may need to Google it to understand it these days because it's not taught in the schools, but there is something about old mountain Appalachian culture Amen. that did not get its roots in things of the Far East, but rather in the Word of God. There was a particular group of people that lived in these hollers and these hills, and a lot of them are still here. That's who we are. We're a generational mountain church. It's just part of our identity. But in that identity, we embrace our heritage as we move forward. Uh, Poppy knew, and I say Poppy, I'm talking about Ralph Sexton Sr., who was our founding pastor. Poppy knew, my great-grandfather, he knew that for the time and the place that we were living, that we would have to do certain things that maybe sometimes didn't make sense. But it was the Lord preparing us for what was coming. Now, I'm going to try my best to get through this without being emotional, but I'm going to probably not make it. On the screen, you'll see my great-grandfather, our founding pastor, Dr. Ralph Sexton Sr., and he is standing where you're sitting. In his hand is a shovel. It's a gold shovel, and he was just a few years from heaven at this point. And, and granddaddy, our pastor emeritus, he brought him out and he said, Papa, you're gonna break ground on this new building that we're sitting in. But do you realize that for us to be sitting in this building in the first place, that right about here where I'm standing, where the pulpit is, this was the kitchen of Poppy and Nana's house. This was a beautiful little blue house that sat on this nice little piece of grass. And for the, the structure to be built that we sit in today, we literally had to take them out of their house. They said, we've got to do this for the church. We're gonna come out of this house and we're gonna tear that house down so that we can build God's house. The spirit of old King David. That this is all I have, this is all I possess, but it does not mean nothing if the house of God can't survive. That is a spirit of sacrifice, a spirit that's filled with the Holy Ghost of God that sees past what's right in front of them. And this is what we're in desperate need of today. Davids that knew what it was to sacrifice. And our heart as a church is to demonstrate confidence and authority that God gives us. We need that desperately. We've talked about it all year long we need confidence and we need authority. But in that confidence and in that authority, we always will have to remember to be warm enough, loving enough as we are for new Christian life to flourish. In other words, life is hard enough. Life is tough. And when you come to this place, this should be a place of healing 
not of tearing apart, not of inspecting, not of cliques and groups. We're all sinners saved by grace. And it's that spirit of unity that we're desperate for even this day as we push forward and embrace the important work that God has put before us. I talked about Poppy. And if I look back at our history, our preparation to become Trinity Baptist Church, this church that God wanted us to be, I think it's important that we look back to his heart. I wanted to know what's Poppy thinking in the moments that Trinity is being born. What was his burden? And I wish so bad. He died when I was 14 years old, 14 years old. And I wish so bad he was here today to enjoy the fruit of his labor, his faith becoming sight even here on this earth. But now his faith has become uh, full sight in heaven. Uh, but I wondered what he would say and what he would think about that time and that place where Trinity was being born where the birth pains of our church were taking place. And luckily for us, we're blessed that Poppy took to pen and paper and he wrote in his book, there's a chapter in this beautiful book about your founding pastor. It's called My Churches. It's called My Churches. It's a chapter here towards the back of the book. And his heart is so represented in what happened here. Now, in this book, you'll read this, if you have a copy of it, you'll read that so much of Trinity was born, our foundation came from a great place of concern. There was a great place of concern as it pertained to the word of God, listen to the words coming out of my mouth, as it pertained to the word of God and the deity of Christ. Two things, and, and there were some things that were happening within a national council, within a denomination, and, and it caused Poppy to have some red flag moments. And, and he was so worried, so concerned, that he was willing to take steps to separate from that falling away from truth. And he knew that if he didn't, there could be a price to pay. We were not born in a bed of roses. We were born in a bed of adversity, fighting for the truth, fighting to hold on for what the Bible says, fighting for Trinitarian doctrine through and through, that the word of God is inerrant, infallible, holy, and inspired, and we definitely prefer what we find in the King James Version of the Bible. That was Poppy's heart. You say, oh, there we go, legalism. No. We're going to honor the heritage that God's given us and we're going to stick to what got us to where we are. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm not ashamed of that. I'm proud of our heritage. Amen. You go, amen, Brother Larry. I love Brother Larry. But in page 188 of his book, listen to this. Now, all this had come to a head. Tension was high. We go to page 188. He's sitting in front of this man who he's getting ready to tell we're leaving your denomination and your council. Poppy said, he looked at me closely. And at last he said, are you thinking of leaving the denomination? And Poppy said, yes, sir, we are. And the man said, you cannot leave the mainstream of religion. And Poppy replied, if it concerns the truth, we can and we will. Poppy comes back home to Asheville and he says, back home, I discussed the problem with our church. Poppy said this. He said, we may lose everything we have. We may lose everything we have. But some things in life are so valuable that they are worth taking a stand for. Poppy said, I explained to the church that we would never leave the church over non-essentials but this concerned the truth, and truth is capitalized. I told them that their children needed to know that somewhere in their lives, they loved God and they loved the truth enough that they were willing to take a stand. That's a powerful statement to say to a church. And then a few days later, Poppy, Dr. Ralph Sexton Sr., goes to the S&W Cafeteria, downtown Asheville. It's still there today. That building is still there. There's a picture of it on your screen. This is in downtown Asheville on Patton Avenue. And inside that 
uh, beautiful building, uh, Poppy and James Alexander Stewart sat down to have lunch. In my mind and in my heart, they're having egg salad sandwiches and they're having maybe some drink they used to drink back then. I don't know. Some sort of soda that they put. I don't, I don't even know what they had back then. Andy Griffith episode playing out right there in my mind. But <laughs> a lemon phosphate. But this is where they had lunch. And two holy men of God having a conversation. And look what he said. He said, I met with Dr. James Stewart at the S&W cafeteria on Patton Avenue. And among the things we discussed was the universal attack on the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And we talked at length about the deity of Christ. I would pay every dime I have in my possession to have heard that conversation. We thoroughly discussed the situation within the church. We talked of all the pros and, on the, and all the cons. Boy, where'd you get that from, Granddaddy? As I left there, God seemed to be saying to me, Name your church Trinity Baptist Church in honor of the Trinity. And right there on that curb on Patton Avenue, God grabbed his heart and said, I want a temple, a tabernacle of the mountains, and I want it to be constructed not for the glory of the Sexton name, not for the glory of the Alexander name, not for the glory of Asheville having its heritage, but for the glory of God honoring the Trinity. I want a church in this place. And there's an incredible story about how God gave us this property, gave us this land. And my heart is that we're here until the Lord returns on this property inside the city limits of Asheville. You see, right from the very start, our name, our identity has been a very important part of who we are. And today you see a new logo, a new look for our identity. I refuse to call it a brand. There are elements of branding, obviously, but this is a church. We're not a brand. We're not Oreo. We belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. And everything that we possess, everything that we are, everything that we do, even in the logo, the identity of who we are, it should solidify who we are as a people. And it should uphold everything that we have been and everything that we are going to be until he tarries. So inside your bulletin today, would you take this out with me? There's, a, there's this little insert inside your bulletin. It has your new logo inside. Would you take that out for me? It'll be on your screen too. But let's look first at this new logo that we have in our hand. Now, there are many things to many people in this, but the first thing I want you to see, the first thing that I want you to take in are the three points. The three points. One for God the Father, one for God the Son, and one for God the Holy Ghost. You'll also find in there a cross. At the very top there, the cross. This is our heritage this is what we are. If we do not have the cross, we have nothing. Without the cross, there's nothing for us to celebrate. There's no identity for us as people. So we knew that the cross needed to be found within this new identity, this new logo. And there it is within the void space, just like the other logo we've been using for years. Uh, the cross is still there. This is our heritage and the gospel is absolutely central to everything that we do. To the left, you'll see the word hope. This represents the authority, the crown. Uh, in a complete view, this new logo looks just like a beautiful crown. And if you'll notice there that there's a space between the crown and everything else at the bottom. That's to remind us when we look at our new logo that Jesus is Lord Jesus is king over everything, over everything in the earth and over everything in our lives. Jesus is Lord. He's king of kings and Lord of lords. The crown, the cross, hope, heritage. And then if you look right outside the back door, you'll see beautiful mountains, three very distinct peaks right outside our back door. And this is part of our heritage. This is part of our home. This is part of our hope. But our mountains, as I said, it's part of who we are as a people. 
And God's put us here for a reason and for a purpose. He did not establish Trinity Baptist Church in South Carolina. He did not establish us in Tennessee, nor Kentucky, Texas, or Florida. He established us right here in Western North Carolina in these beautiful mountains that we so love. And we're thankful to God that we get to see these beautiful mountains each and every day. I love the beach, but I'm ready to come home eventually to these beautiful mountains. Hey, your God made those mountains. He gave you the ability to recognize that they're green and beautiful and and that they belong to him. And it's part of our home, the mountains and the valleys, the high places and the low places. And then let's go to this mission statement on the back of that handout. This is simply for us, not only as a staff, but as a people in general, our church. This is going to be something that lives with our, our incredible statement of faith that has been set in stone that I love and I respect. And now we have for us even a deeper level of understanding about why we do what we do. You'll see there the, the mission statement. Trinity Baptist Church exists. This is the whole reason we're here, to glorify God by proclaiming the gospel of Jesus, our Savior King, to the world by the most effective means available and to develop believers into passionate, committed disciples of Christ who will leave a significant and eternal impact on the generations to come. This is the engine in our car. This is the driver. Now, our roadmap, if you will, Our guardrails that God has given us are found in these words that we're going to give you. These are our core values. Every every dollar that we are going to spend as a church, every activity, every ministry, everything that we do is going to embrace the core values of who we are as a church. Uh, excellence, and I'm not going to read all of these. I want you to do that, but I want to do. I do want to read two of these. The first one is excellence. If we're going to do something here at Trinity Baptist Church, I believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is do us doing our very, very best. If we're going to build park benches, they are going to be the most beautiful, ornate, solid park benches ever made in Western North Carolina. We're going to cut down trees in California, old big redwoods, and we're going to bring those to be our benches here in Western North Carolina. We're going to do it excellently. We're going to do it with a spirit of excellence that everything we do honors the Lord. Because again, just as David said, this is not a house for man. This is a house for for God. And Poppy, our founding pastor said, it's in honor of the Trinity. And if so if everything we do as a church is to honor the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, then church, we better do it with a spirit of excellence for the glory of God. Evangelism, engagement. Let's go to the next ones. There's one more I want to, to read here. It's the last one. It's encouragement. Encouragement. I believe with all of my heart as your pastor that as the day draws near that the Lord Jesus is going to return, I believe he could come back before I'm done preaching this morning. I believe that. I believe that Jesus could come at any moment. But as that day draws near, things outside these walls are going to become much more difficult than anything American Christians have ever had to experience since the Revolutionary War. And you're going to need a place. Let me say this. Your children and your grandchildren are going to need a place where they can find real, authentic encouragement that's linked back to the cross, the hope, the heritage, and the home that is holy, 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 divinely appointed to the church to administer. Encouragement. We need each other. You need me. I need you. You may put cheese on your burger. You may not. Had to get that in. But we're all part of God's family. And we need each other. This is going to be an establishment that's built on encouragement. Let me just say this with all the love in my heart. I may regret this in 10 years, but it's okay. 
If you're a mean-spirited person, you might want to find somewhere else to go to church. We're going to be sweet as sugar in this place. I'm talking about donuts that are covered in sugar, dipped in chocolate, sweet, kind to one another. Because the Holy Spirit of God is so honored when we're kind to one another in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. A sweet group of people. You know why we need to be kind to one another? Because the world's mean enough. And when somebody comes in here, when somebody comes to Trinity Baptist Church that's never been, well, they walk in here and they walk out with type 2, type 3, and type 1A diabetes. Love, sweet and kind, a place of encouragement. And here we are, a group of people dedicated to be who God's called us to be. I want us to go back to First Chronicles for just a moment. We'll close. Remember, we don't have church tonight, so I need just a few minutes extra of your time, but it's homecoming. I want to share my heart with you. David gets to the end of his life. He's talked about Solomon and all that he's going to give him and how he's going to set him up. And then David prays a prayer. Miss Amber, you can come on as we close. Just play. If you want to bring Vinny, you can bring him with you. We need to put a bassinet right here beside the piano. I'm so glad y'all are here today. Made homecoming special. But David's at the end of his life. He has set up his son Solomon, this young and tender king, to succeed. And then David, who the Bible describes as a man after God's own heart, a man who's been through so much trial, so much tribulation, so much torment, the things of his life that you can't even explain how God allowed him to live through the grief and the pain. Yet he did. And through all that David's been through, he knows he's getting ready to die. He's left all of his gold, his brass, his wood, the onyx, the stones, the marble. And now you're going to hear David pray. And this is David's prayer. This is the summary of his life. And go with me now to verse number nine. David did all of this in front of the people. All the people saw what David was doing for Solomon. Verse number nine says, Then the people rejoiced for that they offered willingly because with a perfect heart they offered willingly to the Lord. David's giving was contagious. Then people all around started to give from their heart willingly because they wanted to honor the Lord. And in verse number 10, Wherefore David blessed the Lord before all the congregation. And David said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. The prayer of David in his final hours. If you're coming to the last moments of life, whatever you're praying is coming directly from your heart. The walk of faith that David had to know the character of God, to know God more intimately than most people ever will for him to come to this place and to pray, God, you're king, you're holy, you're sovereign over all and I worship you and everything that I am, all that I possess, every waking thought is going to be for your glory. Everything that I leave, Solomon and my people, will be for this house of God to be built. And church, this day, celebrating our 56th year as a church, I challenge you, I'm challenging myself to pray this prayer and ask God to give us a spirit of old King David that we would sell out radically for the glory of God in all that we say, all that we do, the way that we live, the way that we give, and the way that we love each other. God is going to bless this church. 
He's going to take this church to places it cannot even imagine if we will just be faithful to be obedient, to listen to his voice. And today what you may see is just a logo, but it's so much more than that. It's an identity that honors the Lord Jesus. Before we close, I want to say this. You'll see a new tithing envelope. You'll see some tracks outside, new tracks for you to give to folks all over town. I had the privilege yesterday of buying a gentleman's lunch at Chick-fil-A and putting this in his hand. And you know what his first words were? Man, that's sharp. I went, he thinks it's sharp. Some beautiful stuff for you to be able to hand out to your friends, your family, your coworkers. But everything will match. Everything will be uh, excellent in everything that we print and everything that we publish. When we're online, there's going to be a logo that says, hey, what is that? It's different than anything I've seen. It's about who we are for the Lord. And then each family, each family, I need you to take one of these with you as you leave. This is simply a welcome book. A reminder for every one of you who the staff is here. Their picture's there. Their name is there. There's a beautiful campus map. There's some more information that will be in that book. So take that with you. One per family. We didn't print a lot of these, so just help us with that today. But these will go inside the first-time visitor's bag for everyone that comes inside the sanctuary. They'll know right off the gate who we are and what we are and why we believe what we believe and even why our logo looks the way that it does. All this work, all this rebranding, if you will, uh, in a secular sense, in the business world, uh, can cost thousands and thousands of dollars. Uh, one conversation I had over a year ago uh, with a company, it was going to be close to $50,000 for us to do all of this work. Back in January, God really began to move some pieces and some hearts together and he brought to us full-time Pastor Will and Sarah Mercer. And Pastor Will and I had a little conversation in my office one day. And I handed him the mission statement and core values that I had written in the hotel lobby in Washington, D.C. in 2020, even before I became pastor here. And the first thing he looked at him says, man, your grammar needs some work in some of these sentences. And I said, please don't tell Margaret Skiles, whatever you do. But he helped me get some of these things restructured and we prayed over it, allowed our pastors to be part of that process. Then I handed him the core values and the mission statement. He dug into Poppy's book. There was a Holy Ghost conversation between Pastor Will and Brother Jerry Payne that happened in the church office. And Pastor Will Mercer, who had a background that understood technology and editing and graphics. He went into his office and he spent six months learning, praying, preparing, and he took the heart and the vision of the pastor. And what you see on paper today was done organically in-house by Trinity Baptist staff. Praise the Lord. Again, we give God all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise for the tools. I like to say this, the weapons that he's putting in our quiver to fight the devil, to preach the gospel, and to proclaim Jesus as king for as long as he tarries. Trinity's always been special. For me, it's always been home. I've had jubilees here. I've had revivals, missions conferences. I've... Listen, I got saved on this property. If you got saved here, raise your hand. I got saved on this property. My wife Miranda and I, the two became one in that old building where my granddaddy, my great granddaddy preached all my life. I was a cubby. I was a sparky. I got to go to youth group in that old building. 2005, I sat over here for the first service, 10 minutes in and the power completely cut off in the entire building, first service. The people of God continue to pray and to sing. For over 30 years, this has been home. 
And even when I wasn't faithful to be here, it's always been faithful to be here for me. Because it's of God. It's of God. It's the church that's more than a place to go, a box to check. It's been a place of stability, a place of hope. It's my heritage. It's my home. And I want to be here until the Lord calls me home or till he comes for all of us because what he's done here is a holy thing. It's the church that many of you and that I have had the privilege to grow up in. Miss Amber, sing. I want us to praise the Lord from our hearts today for this beautiful place, the church that we grew up in. There's a church in Carolina with a steeple still attached. When all those cars drive by, they don't know what they just passed. No fancy signs, one service time, and the door's always unlocked. It's the first place that I saw the hand of God. We're going to thank the Lord for the 56 years that he's given us, 
I want the pastors to join me on the platform. If your wives are in the building, let them come with you. Miranda, would you join me, honey? Dad, I want you to grab a wireless mic there. And Brother Jerry, I want want you to close the prayer. I'm gonna pray for just a moment. I'm gonna turn it over to you and you're gonna close us out today. You were there with Poppy. You've been there for Granddaddy. You've been there for me. And I love you and I appreciate you. Let's pray. I'm gonna pray and then Brother Jerry, you'll close us, okay? Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we come into your presence and God, we're so thankful for Trinity Baptist Church. God built on the word of God, the truth of your word. And Lord, now we take all that we've presented today and we lay it at your feet. Lord, would you find it pleasing? Lord, would you be honored and glorified in all that's been said and all that's been done? And Lord, would you solidify our future? Would you give us the wisdom and the discernment for the days ahead? Would you equip us to be the people, to be the church, Lord, that you want us to be? God, I thank you for the church that I grew up in. Lord, I'm thankful for this church that my children can grow up in. And my grandchildren, if you tarry, Lord, they can grow up here. Lord, would you protect us? Lord, thank you for Brother Jerry. Brother Jerry, close us in prayer. This 56th annual homecoming. Holy, 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 Lord Jesus Christ. Holy, 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 blessed Holy Spirit. God, to think that you would take a group of mountain people that loved you, loved your word, And you allowed us the privilege, God, to handle holy things. Your will and your glory was above all. Our desire to worship you with our lives, our fortunes, and we present our bodies to you a living sacrifice. God, I remember what it was like to be apart from you. And then that glorious day, God, you saved me. And you placed me where I know you wanted me to be. What can we say? What can we say, Father, but glory and honor be to your blessed name. Everything, everything that's been accomplished, it's been by your provision, your protection, your leadership. And God, we're humbled this morning as we sit here and realize that soon, your coming. What a privilege to stand and represent you in this world that's crumbling. God, to live in your universe that's popping and crackling with energy today. By your word, you created all of this. And God, soon we'll be seeing the things that you created with no beginning and no ending. And we pray, Father, these closing days, add to this church those that you would be honored to have in our midst. Bless Winston and Miranda as they lead forward. Thank you for the memories. And these walls cry out today. 
with the memories of those that have went before. And they've been faithful. They've been faithful in all that you called them to do. Now walk with us as we leave this building. We pray 24-7 let the Spirit of God rest on us. Make it a place of refuge, a place of worship, and a place of spiritual strength. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. And all God's people said, Amen. Trinity, happy homecoming. I love you. I appreciate you. And I can't wait to see what the Lord does.